那么开始一个新的系列的message。The church in Corinth was a church that was established by Paul. And Paul spent uh, one year and six months there uh, pastoring the church in Corinth. And during the time that he spent there, he was teaching them the word of the Lord. And after Paul left, Paul came. And after Apollo left, Peter came. So you can imagine. So you can just imagine. The best three pastors of the world during that time were the pastors of the church in Corinth. Paul, Apollo, and Peter. So the church in Corinth, in, uh, by theory, should have been a very progressive and a very established church. But in fact, but in fact the church in Corinth was the one that was filled with so many problems. Your church. We should not find it strange if we have problems in the church. Because the church is a place where sinners gather together. So for sure, expect problems. Even though we have already confessed and repented of our sins, but our lives are not perfect. There should be a succession or, or, or a continual uh, repentance in our life. Please remember. Christian life is a life of repentance. Christian life is a life of repentance. In our whole life, we need to repent. Don't just uh, uh, grab hold and believe in the gospel of grace. Because the, the, their, teaching is, their teachings are very unique. It is their belief that after you have accepted Christ, you don't need to confess and repent anymore. Why? Because it is their belief that your sins, the past, the present, and the future sins that you will commit have already been forgiven. If you confess and repent, it means that you lack faith in the Lord. The more you uh, repent, the more you confess, the more you sin. These are, phallus, uh, these are uh, false teachings. May the Lord help us. How does the Bible teach us? The first John Lie to ten. In First John, uh, chapter one, verses nine to ten. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just. He will forgive us and our sin and purify us from all unrighteousness. But if we claim we have not sinned, we make Him our liar, and His word is not with us. So, in the teachings of the Bible, we are encouraged, and we are in fact. Taught to confess and repent continually. This is what Apostle John had taught the church. There were 10 major problems in the church in Corinth. 
The problem of about disputes. Problem about incest. Problem about lawsuits. Problem about promiscuity. Problem about marriage. Problem about eating and drinking. Problem about head covers. Problem about holy communion. Problem about spiritual gifts. And problem about resurrection. This was a church filled with so many problems. But please remember, Jesus is the answer to all of our problems. So the main theme is Jesus is the answer. That's why our sermons main theme is Jesus is the answer. But in fact, not only is the, are the problems present in the church in Corinth, this is the same problem that each church faces today. As we as a church face so many problems, when Paul started writing the, the letter to the church in Corinth, he did not rebuke the church. But in fact, he started the letter with thanksgiving. Imagine. Just imagine. He thanked the Lord for a church that was filled with so many problems. In chapter 1, verses 4 to 9, these were the contents of the thanksgiving made by Paul. Look at verse 8. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of the, our Lord Jesus Christ. This was a promise given by the Lord to the church. Jesus will keep them firm to the end and keep them blameless until the, the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. That you will remain blameless. What do we mean when we say blameless? Blameless is perfect. Blameless means perfect. So my topic so my topic for today is blameless. Dear church, as we start the year 2024, let us begin this year with a heart full of thanksgiving. Um, uh, we are living in the midst of God's grace and God's protection. In the future, as we face our Lord Jesus Christ, that we will stand firm and remain blameless. But the problem is, a church filled with so much problems. What were the things that Paul can be uh, thankful for for the church? Three things. He thanked God for his gift of grace. Number two, Number two, he thanked God for his spiritual gifts. The third, he thanked God for his assurance. Let me explain. Let me explain. Number one, Paul thanked the Lord for his gift of grace to the church in Corinth. Look at verse four. I will always I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. Paul was a person who knew how to give thanks. 
Paul had written 13 books in the New Testament. There were 20, there are 27 books in the New Testament. And among those 27, 13 of them were written by Paul. And in these 13 books, uh, 11 of them, Paul started it with thanksgiving. For example, for example in the book of Romans, Romans is about thanking God for the church's faith. In the book of Philippians, it's about thanking God for the church's heart to share the good news. In the book of 1 Thessalonians, Paul thanked God for the church having faith, hope, and love. In the book of Colossians, the same, the same way, the same way Paul thanked God for the church having faith, hope, and love. Paul was a person who knew how to give thanks. But we have to take note of one thing. A, per, a person who does not know how to give thanks, aside from the fact that he, he, was, he knew he's a recipient of God's grace, by understanding grace, one, uh, will one be thankful? By think, uh, being thankful is repaying a debt with gratitude. For example, For example we who are children, if we don't understand God, uh, the, the grace and the blessings of our parents towards us, then we will complain about our parents. We will say they are naggers. So we will never be filled with gratitude towards our parents unless, unless you know and you ponder upon the blessings that you have received from your parents. So, that's why there's a Chinese saying, only by having one's own children will he know his parents' grace. After we have become parents to our own children, only then can we appreciate the hardships and difficulties that our parents went through raising us. They need to be so patient towards us. Only then can we appreciate and, and be thankful for the blessings and the grace our parents have shown towards us. Dear Christians, we are, uh, our whole life we have to be a recipient of grace, we be, need to be thankful, and we need to be appreciative of all the grace that we have received. Uh, in a theological point of view, God has given this world two different kinds of grace. Common grace and special grace. Called common grace and special grace. What do we mean when we uh, say common grace? It's a grace given to everyone in this world. Regardless of whether you are a Christian or not. Whether you consider yourself a good person or not. This is called common grace. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, Jesus said, He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. 
sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Grace. These are what we call common grace. What do we mean when we refer to special grace? These are graces specific to God's children. God's salvation, God's uh, blessings, and God's special protection on these people. Why is it that God has given common grace to everyone? It is through the common grace that God hopes that people will come to know God's special grace. God will not, uh, will not be prejudiced against any other people. Because God loves everyone in this world. God's mercy and God's goodness and compassion is for everyone. It comes upon the life of every person in this world that we will be healthy, that we will have intelligence, that we will have abundance, that we will be attractive, that we will look good and handsome, regardless of whether you're a Christian or not. But, the main purpose of the Lord is through these common graces that people will accept and receive God's special grace. Look at James chapter 1 verse 17. The very first sentence. Every good and perfect gift is from Above. Every good and perfect gift is from above. So may the Lord help us. Everything that we have comes from the Lord. And the purpose is for us to know God's special grace. But sadly, a lot of us stop merely at receiving common grace. After we have received blessings from the Lord, we are happy. We are satisfied with our riches. We are satisfied with having a good job, with having a good family. But we need to take a step further. So may the Lord help us. We will learn the lesson of giving thanks and being appreciative of God's grace. And we will receive even more blessings from the Lord. One time, what did Facebook call it? A message. I've, uh, as I was browsing through Facebook, I saw this message. Oh, and I felt, I found it to be very meaningful. So I translated into Chinese. This is what it said. Your job is a dream of the unemployed. Your house is a dream of the homeless. Your smile is a dream of the depressed. Your health is a dream of those who are sick. Beautiful things happen when you distance yourself from negativity. Your church. We complain about how poor or how difficult our jobs may be. There are those who are unemployed and hungry. As we complain about the size or the small or the lack of size of our house, there are, there are people, people who are homeless. 
Thankful, we need to repay God's goodness. Jesus said, It's better for us, it's more blessed for us to give than to receive. So, dear church, not only do we receive, we need to share. Dear Christians, there, we, we cannot say that a person of God is not generous. A person whose life is filled with Christ, your life would be a generous life. You know why? You know why? Because God is a generous God. And He has freely given unto us His only Son, Jesus Christ. And after we have accepted Christ, we need to have our lives transformed. In the past, we live a very self-centered, a very selfish life. You need to change. We need to change. We need to become more generous. We need to become mindful and be concerned with the needs of other people. May the Lord bless us. 2023 is already in the past. Let me ask you, what were the things that you are thankful for? Have you been giving thanks? And how many of these uh, th- uh, things that you're uh, happy and thanks- thankful for have you repaid? Number two, Number two, Paul thanked God for his spiritual gifts to the church in Corinth. Look at verses 5 to 7. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. Look at how Paul phrased this. You do not lack any spiritual gift. You do not lack any spiritual gifts. The church in Corinth was a church filled with so much spiritual gifts. What do we mean when we say gifts? We can translate it literally to gifts. But we can uh, translate it to the word charisma. God has given charisma and this kind of spiritual gifts to the church. Why? Why? Because through these gifts, God wants to establish the body of Christ, the church. That's why Paul said, Dear church in Corinth, you are filled with abundance in speech and knowledge. So it was a church that was so gifted. If you are to read a chapter uh, verses 12 to and uh, chapter. Till, uh, chapter 12 to 14, 
There it was listed the different kinds of gifts that were present in the church in Corinth. To use today's term, it's a church that's filled with first class and everything. They have the best speaker. They have the best song leader. They have the best Sunday school teachers. They have the best counselors. And they have the best Bible teachers. And in the eyes of the public, the church in Corinth was a very successful church. That's why Paul gave thanks to the Lord for this church. But you have to take note. There were two, there were two specific gifts that Paul has referred to in chapter 1. Eloquence, speech, yeah. speech, 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 and knowledge. This speech is not referred to eloquence, the knowledge here does not refer to worldly knowledge but refers to one's experience and understanding of the truth. What does this mean? This was a church filled with God's truth. This was a church that preached God's word. Today, when we equate it to today's church, this has a very strong pulpit ministry. Look at verse 6. God does confirming our testimony about Christ among you. testimony about Christ. What do we mean when we say testimony about Christ? In the original Hebrew text, it refers to the, the words that and the truths that I have been teaching you or preaching to you. Paul has established the church through God's word and God's truth. And the church continually preached the truth as taught to them by Paul. That's why the, the foundation of truth in the church in Corinth was quite firm. That's why Paul said, you are not lacking in any spiritual gifts when, when we compare to other churches. We thank the Lord for your gifts. But, but, where, where lies the biggest problem of this church? They have great spiritual gifts, but they don't have good spiritual lives. Your church. This is a problem that all of us have to face in a realistic way. We often try to mask our spiritual lives with our spiritual gifts. Person may be very good in preaching. And maybe we look at this person and we say, This person has a very rich spiritual life. This person is a song leader or worship leader. And, and that person has a very uh, gifted voice. And in our mind, we have this impression that this person has a very good spiritual life. A person who's very good instrumentalist probably have a very good spiritual life. No. No. 
灵性科及属呢个运输完全无关系。Having a good spiritual life has nothing to do with having good spiritual gifts. 圣经里面 ，in the Bible， 第一好嘅 example 是神啊！你知唔 ？You know who's the very best example？ 是苏苏基当间嘅 Samson。It's one of the judges of Israel， the the judge Sam Samson。Samson 是执晒苏当间第九嘅。Among the thirteen judges who judged Israel during that time, Samson was probably the best. He has the best kind of gift. Imagine, just imagine. That with his bare hands he can tear apart a lion. With his hands, that he can dismantle the whole city gate. Samson was a prototype of Superman. But Among the thirteen judges of Israel, his spiritual life was the worst. He just lived for the flesh. And he has so many relationships with prostitutes. He was a Nazarite. And all the things that were prohibited for a Nazarite. Now, Nazarite was what was what he committed. So, dear church. So, having spiritual gifts does not equate to having a spiritual life. Your church. We are a disciple-making church. And we take more importance. On your spiritual life, we thank the Lord for our spiritual gifts. But we need to pursue spiritual life. What do we mean when we refer to spiritual life? Spiritual life is the inner life. But it's a it's a life that can produce spiritual fruit. So why Jesus said, "Whatever kind of tree will produce whatever kind of fruit specific to that tree." And by its fruit, we can testify to what kind of a tree it is. What are the spiritual gifts? The fruits of the Holy Spirit. So these are the fruit, or rather, spiritual fruit. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These refers to our spiritual life. May the Lord help us. So as we enter 2024, our life will bear these spiritual fruit. Including Pastor Isaac, right now we have 16 pastors and, and preachers. I have four C's that I require for my co-workers. Character, character, competence, chemistry, culture. Character, competence, chemistry, and culture. These are the four things that should be evident in the life of my co-workers. Character is number one. Number one, and the most important for me is the character. Competence is number two. Number two is competence. Competence is your Competence refers to your gifts. But we know that our character is much more important than our gifts. You know why? You know why? If there's a problem with our lives, you competence. But even if you have competence, your Uh, you'll be very detrimental to the church. 
foolish. Maybe this person may be a bit foolish. His, uh, his harm towards the church will be less. So the most important is our character. If we have problems with our character, for because of your problems, the church will face problems. The same, the same way. In our church. If you have a problem with your life, your small group would have problem. Your fellowships will have problems. May the Lord help us. Uh, start 2024. Let's take, uh, uh, take a very good look at our spiritual life and our spiritual exercises. The last. The last one. Paul thanked God for his assurance to the church. Look at verses 8 and 9. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. There is a very beautiful promise found in verse 8. He will also keep you firm to the end. So that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God will keep us until the, until the end. As we face our Lord Jesus Christ, we will stand firm and remain blameless. You will say, how is that possible? How can I, a person such as I, remain blameless? It's not something we can do on our own. But rather, it's because of the, of the, the grace of our, the Lord that we believed in. He will protect us and keep us. And He will establish us. Because... Because we need to know the God whom we believe in. Number one. Number one. He is God and he will remain God to the end. What does this mean? In Revelation 1, verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I am the Alpha and I'm the Omega. Alpha and Omega alphabet. And Alpha and Omega are the first character and the first and the last alphabet in the Greek alphabet. Just like in English. A. It's letter A. Z. And letter Z. This is the beginning and the end. God is letting us know I am the beginning and I am the end. Our God is not God who starts things and does not end things. In this world, there are a lot of people who will start things or will promise things but will never fulfill them. I love you forever. I love you forever. After one year, divorce. After one year, they get divorced. These are persons, they are, these are people who start things but will not end things well. But our God is not like that. I'm the like Alpha that. and the Omega. He says, I'm the Alpha and I'm the, the beginning Omega. And the end. I am the beginning and I'm the end. God will never forsake anyone who belongs to Him. John chapter 13, verse 1. In John 13, verse 1. 
It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. 上帝听世界所加的人，就听到伊到对呀。Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. 请你记得。Please remember. 上帝会帮杀每一个属上帝家里。God will never forsake any of his own children. For example. For example. Moses. A Moses. Moses did. I give Ongong Jiangdua. Moses was one who was raised in the palace of Pharaoh. He was gifted in both speech and in doing things. So he looked highly upon himself. As a result, he killed an Egyptian. And he was exiled in the wilderness for forty years. But the Lord has never forsaken him. God has never forsaken him. Using forty years to train him to Moses. God trained him in the wilderness for forty years. No, after forty years. After forty years. The Bible said, Moses was a very humble man. Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Imagine, just imagine. Forty years ago, this person was very arrogant. And he felt, and he looked highly, so highly upon himself. After forty years, very humble man. Very humble man. More humble than anyone else on the face of this earth. And he was more humble than anyone else in the face of this earth. Why? You know why? Because God has never forsaken him. God has this apostle named John. You know he has、uh, apostle John has another nickname. The son of thunder. He was called the son of thunder. He was called the son of thunder. You know why? You know why? This man is very hot-tempered. Because he was a very hot-tempered person. Whenever he's unhappy, his temper would come out. Is it you? When you're unhappy, you become very angry. When people call you out for it, you'll say, "That's who I am. That's my nature." What? When he passed away, when he was ninety plus years old, he had another nickname. He was called Apostle of Love. Of course, this is a church tradition saying, a tradition, traditional saying. Apostle John, the the greatest guy, lost his voice. The very last word that、uh, that he uttered before he passed away. He was surrounded because he was surrounded by other disciples. They were asking him, "What words do you want to share before you die?" And he said, "Dear children." Love one another. And he used those were his last words before he died. Imagine, just imagine. This person who was prior prior to becoming a, a Christian, he was a very hot tempered person. He became a person filled with so much love. You know why? Because God has preserved him until the end. In Ephesians chapter two, verse ten, we are God's handiwork. This handiwork, we mean is. Masterpiece. In the original text, this handiwork can be translated as masterpiece. And the 上帝手中的杰作 
we are the masterpiece formed by hand of the Lord. So probably we look at ourselves that we are filled with so many errors or mistakes. But one day, we will become God's masterpiece. Because God will never forsake us. You know why? Where lies the secret? In chapter 1, verse 2. Lord Jesus Christ, dear Lord and ours. In the original text. This word Lord was not present. It says, Jesus is yours and ours. So Lord Jesus Christ, there and ours. There and ours. Lord Jesus Christ, theirs and ours. You know what does this mean? Christ is mine. His righteousness is mine. His kindness, his compassion is mine. His goodness is, is mine. His patience is mine. Everything that is in Christ is in me. So one day, I can become God's handiwork and um, um, masterpiece. Because everything that is in abundance in Christ is mine. Christ is mine. At the same time, at the same time he is also yours. You know sometimes, I don't know if you have such an experience. We see this brother or we see this sister and we shake our head. You've been a Christian for so long. You don't see any improvement in their life. He, he, that person remains so selfish. And he remains very childish. You've been a Christian for 10 years. How come you're such, your character remains as such? Disappointed, right? You will feel disappointed. But we forgot one thing. Christ is yours and Christ is also his. God will never forsake that person that is beside you. You will be disappointed. God will never be disappointed with our person because because in God's eyes that person is under construction. He's not complete yet. God's work in that person's life is not yet complete. You know, I've been a pastor and been pastoring the church for more than 20 years. Today, uh, this year is my 33rd year pastoring CBCP. I have experienced uh, seeing people who come to the church for five years, ten years, then you never see them again. You know what? You know why? I've, I've personally witnessed with my own eyes the lives that were transformed. When I first came to CBCP, there was a child. I was so angry with that child. Because during my, my sermon, during my preaching, he would come up on stage and hit the drums. And I didn't know what to do and how to handle it. And I saw his parents. I, would, I, I was so tempted to spank them. 
this child was notoriously very naughty in Sunday school. While every child will be seated there on the floor, he would be standing on the table and running around on the tables. But and I have personally witnessed the transformational uh, that's a transformation that happened in that child's life and I have seen how he matured and how that person is serving the Lord in the church you know who that person is? I will not let you know May the Lord help us. Because the Lord has never forsaken him. The Lord will preserve us until the end. Number two, Number two, our God is a faithful God. Look at verse 9. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The attribute of God. Uh, faithfulness is an attribute of God. And our faith is established upon the faithfulness of God. How much faith, how much, uh, how faithful God is to you, in, uh, that's, that will be uh, the measure of your faith towards our Lord. If you feel like you are completely dependent on the Lord it, uh, and you see His faithfulness towards you, then your faith will increase. You know, God's faithfulness is of utmost importance. Because if there is a problem with God's faithfulness, all the different attributes of other different attributes of God will not matter. Just think about it. If God has love, but he's not faithful, that kind of love is so frightening. This person may be, uh, may, may, this husband may love the wife, but he's not faithful. He's a good, good, good affair. And he will have affairs outside. Because he's not faithful in his love towards his wife. God may be uh, just, but he is not faithful. Then that will be, uh, they will, you'll find biases in, his, uh, in being just. If God is holy, but not faithful. This is hypocrisy. That's why faithfulness is very important. But thank God. But we thank God. Our God is faithful. Our God is faithful. Even though we are not faithful. And what does the Bible tell us? In 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. God will never go against his nature. He will never disown himself. In the midst of our interpersonal relationships, a lot of unfaithfulness will take place. If it's not me being unfaithful to you, you'll be unfaithful towards me. That's why our world is in such a mess. We are doubtful of each other in our relationships. But we thank God. Our God is faithful. The people whom God has called to be his children. And 
they will have fellowship with our Lord Jesus Christ. That fellowship in the original text is called koinonia. In the Bible, this word koinonia appeared 40 times. We can uh, translate it into fellowship or interaction. And I believe there's a Chinese translation that perfectly uh, uh, explains what koinonia means. To enjoy blessings and endure hardships together. To enjoy and to, to rejoice together and to suffer together. This is the true meaning of a life of fellowship. God is faithful. We are called to be his child. Rather to be his children. That's why we are sharing in this koinonia with Christ. That's why Christ's holiness is uh, just, righteousness is uh, glory, is joy, is patience. It's shared with each one of us. What's his is ours. So may the Lord help us. Dear church, we have already started 2024. I'm sure that our church will have uh, different kinds of problems. But we have to start the year with an attitude of thankfulness. Just like Paul. Church in Corinth was filled with so much problems. But he thanked God for his gifts towards us. Like he thanked God for his grace and he thanked God for his gifts. And he thanked God for his uh, faithfulness towards the church. May the Lord bless us. And we can start this year with an attitude and a heart of thankfulness. That we will have receive grace upon grace. That we'll experience more grace, new grace, new blessings from the Lord and be able to, to share this grace and help other people. Let's pray. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. As we start this new year, we don't know what kind of difficulties and challenges we'll be facing this year. But we firmly believe in the midst of our sufferings, there is grace. Because your grace is enough for our needs. 2024 lies ahead for us. It's filled with unknown because we don't know what will happen next. But what we know that our tomorrows are in your hand. You are the one holding tomorrow. You are the one who holds our tomorrow. May you help us, Lord. That our faith will be established upon your faithfulness. Not only do we have faith in ourselves, but we'll have faith in other people. Because Christ is not only mine, but he's also yours and others. That we'll be uh, experiencing your grace, your presence in our lives in this coming year. May you bless us, dear Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This is our prayer in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.